Well, if you were here last week, you might recall that we started off the sermon by asking this question. If you were to describe yourself in just a few words, what words might you use to describe yourself? And we said, would you say you are self-reliant or uh, would you say you're greedy, or would you say you're loving, or uh, would you say you're smart, or, you know, would, and we asked this question, would you use the word holy? Would you say, I am holy? And uh, we said, well, that might be a stretch, and we uh, uh, said maybe, uh, you know, Mother Teresa might have been holy, or, or maybe you picture um, uh, Jesus, you know, praying at the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was, he was holy, but am I holy? And and then we defined the word. We said, what, what does the word holy mean? We said, if we had a, a bucket of marbles right over here, and then we had an empty bucket uh, right over here, and we were to take, uh, reach and pull out one of these marbles and put it into this uh, bucket over here, we would make that marble holy. It is set apart. Set apart. We said, God is the one who determines uh, what is right and what is wrong. He's the one that determines that in God's mind. He is the one who says, uh, this is right and this is wrong. And uh, then we said, well, then in our mind, we too need to determine that we want to do what is right and not do what is wrong. And then that should show up in our behavior as well. We want to be a people that are holy. We want to be defined by being holy. This morning, I want to talk to you about a word that will uh, most likely uh, be the word that will derail any attempts to be holy. It is the word that will take us all off the tracks. It'll, uh, it's the fork in the road that we will make the decision to go one way and God wants us to go uh, the other way. It is the word that would define what it is to move away from God and the, the word that sort of jumps out there that, uh, that will take us off track is this word. It is the word temptation. Temptation. Temptation will pull us away from being holy unto God. Temptation will pull us away from being holy unto God. And so this morning what I would like to do is spend some time better understanding what is it to be tempted? What is the definition of temptation? And how does temptation happen? And what is God's role in temptation? What is the devil's role in temptation? And how do we best understand temptation? And so what I'd like to do first of all is I want to read to you uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 through 13, they say this. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So I want to go back through and kind of really break that down and kind of best understand that passage of Scripture that Paul writes to the church there in Corinth. And so there's uh, several uh, spots for you to fill out there in your bulletin, and we're going to kind of go through those, and they'll be up on the screen as well. And so we're going to go back through 1 Corinthians chapter 10, starting verse 12. It says, so, if you think you are standing firm, be careful. Everybody say, be careful. Be careful. It's right there in Scripture. 
He says, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. You know what that means? Write this down. There is a warning. God loves us enough to say, temptation is going to come your way. I'm letting you know that so that you're not surprised by it. I want you to understand, God knows we are going to be tempted. Temptation is real. It's there. There's a warning. It's coming. There's flashing lights. Uh, you ever been driving down the road and you see that little uh, orange uh, triangle that says, you know, road work two miles ahead, you know, left lanes going to be closed through three miles ahead. And you see that and say, oh, they're trying to, they're trying to let me know something's coming up here. And you get a little bit further. A one mile ahead, there is a, uh, you know, the one lane, right? Um, one half mile, you know, 500 feet. There's going to be, all of a sudden you see all those flashing cones up there and you see the traffic beginning to merge. Those warning signs are there to help you get in the right lane, right? That's why they, they put those things out there. You see the other sign that says, you know, there will be a fine for going too fast in this area. There's a warning. There's flashing lights. They're trying to let you know something's going on up here ahead. God says, hey, Warning, you're going to be tempted. So uh, we need to pay attention to the signs, right? We need to understand we are going to be tempted. There is a warning. Verse 13, no temptation has seized you. What's that mean? Overtake you, control you. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. Say common to man. Common to man. No temptation to seize you except what is common to man. So write this down. There is no sin unique to you. You don't get to say, oh, my secret private sin. Nobody else has ever done this one before. No, it's not the way it works. There is no sin that is not common to man. It's, it's not unique to you. That just means a whole lot of other people have been doing that too. Okay? And so uh, there's a warning, and there is no sin that is unique to you. Sometimes when we are in sin, we're wrestling with it privately. We don't want everybody to know. We think, you know, oh, man, if anybody else knew that I wrestled with this sin, they would. No, there's a whole lot of other people out there wrestling with that sin, too. So, temptation. There is a warning about it. There is no sin that is unique to you. And God is faithful. And God is faithful. We just read that. And God is faithful. God will not abandon you. He does not leave you there to squirm. Listen to this. Uh, He doesn't leave you there to squirm. Sometimes in life we feel like, man, I'm just all alone in this thing. And and, uh, I wrestle. And why do I have to wrestle with this all by myself? And, And, you know, why doesn't God rescue me from this? And he doesn't abandon you to leave you alone to just kind of, well, you figure it out. That's not the way it works. That's not the way temptation works. Temptation, uh, he warns us, you're going to experience it. It's not unique to you, and God will not abandon you. And then he says, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. There is a line that God will allow you to be tempted up to, but God will never allow you to be tempted beyond that line. Temptation is real, and he tells us it's real, but God will not let us be tempted beyond that line. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. There is, write this down, there is a way out. There is a way out. There is a way out. There is always a way out. I want to show you a picture of one of my childhood heroes, all right? Now, uh, I don't know if you guys were faithful, and uh, maybe you remember this, and uh, uh, at the uh, Batman Robin, right? Do you know the song? Some of you guys are old enough to know. 
Batman, you got it, you got it, right? Okay, so, and now, are you just kind of breathing that in a little bit and you're remembering that? And uh, you know how it, it, same, it ended the same way every week, right? Uh, tune in, same what? Bat time, same bat channel, right? And you know what happened at the end of every single episode, every single episode, and there was Batman and Robin, and they were all tied up, or they, uh, you know, they were in some uh, form of peril that was coming their way. They were going to be snuffed out by the Riddler, or they were going to be uh, joked by the Joker, right? And Mr. Freeze had them right in their, in their array right there, and uh, some Something, something bad was going to, and then, uh, you know, every, seemed like every other week, right? Uh, they were, they were in this place where there is no way they're going to be able to get out of this situation. This time, could this be the end? Tune in next week. You got to find out. Oh no, are they going to, but what did Batman always have? He always had his utility belt. He had his utility belt, right? And what was inside of the utility belt? You name it. Hey, I don't know if you remember the, the movie, the, the movie of Batman when he was on the ladder of the helicopter over and all of a sudden the shark was on his leg and he reached in his belt and he pulled out shark repellent in his belt. I mean, who, who doesn't carry that, right? Uh, you know, the shark repellent is, and there was always, there was always, 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 it was in his belt, no matter what the situation was, no matter how he found himself, there was always a way out. God says, when it comes to temptation, I have given you everything you need. There is a way out. So when it comes to temptation, we learn that there's a warning. It's going to happen. We're going to be tempted. There is no sin that is unique to you. God will not abandon you, and there is a way out. I want to read to you. Book of James, chapter 1, verse 13 through 17, says, When tempted, it's going to happen. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desires he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. We're going to break that down. We're going to learn some more about temptation. Temptation will derail you in your pursuit of holiness. And so he starts off and he says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So write this down and there in your bulletin. It does not come from God. Temptation does not come from God. God doesn't tempt you. In fact, verse 17, and James, if we were to read down a little bit further, it says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. Everything good comes from God. God does not tempt us away from Him. God doesn't do that. So, we move forward in the verse. And it says that, but each one is tempted when by his own evil desire... You know what it does? It taps into your 
desires. Temptation taps into your desires. It taps into your desires. Old habits. Uh, see, alcoholics and people who are thieves and people that are addicted to sexual behavior, gamblers and stealers. And, uh, in, in just my uh, course of ministry, I've probably dealt with somebody that's dealt with every temptation known to man. And, you know, some of that's I'm looking at in the mirror and um, I've dealt with people that uh, uh, they, everywhere they went, they stole something. Everywhere they went, they stole something. They were just always stealing and stealing and stealing. It was just a part of who they were, and they had to overcome that and, and work through that. I've dealt with people that were uh, addicted to all kinds of drugs and alcohol, and they've had to work through that. I've worked with people that addicted to pornography, and they've had to work through that. And all these different things, and, and it's there, and it's always relentlessly. And it finds, it, it, it looks for the, for the crack in your arm or Achilles' heel. It tries to find that place inside of you. It's going to uh, tap into some part of you that all of a sudden this sin is more enticing than any other one. Sins are all over the book. God gives us, God gives us scripture so that we can know what God says is right and what God says is wrong. And so there is behavior that is right for God and there is behavior that God does not want us to participate in. And some of those things that God wants us to do is to love people and to be forgiving and to be kind. He wants us to not have filthy language from our lips and he wants us to not be alcoholics and he doesn't want to be addicted to drugs and he doesn't want us to be indebted to the point that we can't take care of our family and all of those kinds of things. And then over here, uh, God says, I want you to do this thing I don't want you to do. And, and so, uh, devil, he just kind of sizes us up. Where's your weakness? For some people, some people, uh, you know, they, they, their propensity is to covet. And they want what other people have. And they want to have more of it. And it's always got to be bigger and shiner and brighter. And so if they have to go into debt to get it, they'll pursue that and they'll go after it. And for some people, that's just not your thing. For some people, they get very, very angry. And, and then they just kind of explode all over somebody when they get angry. For some people, that's not your thing. For some people, sexual addiction. They just find themselves making them away down a deep, long, dark tunnel. And some people, that's not their thing. For other people, you fill in the blank. You know who you are. You know what you wrestle with. You know what, you know what the devil holds out there. The lure. He's dragging that thing right in front of your nose. And there's something. Some of them will go by and you say, that's fake, that's fake, that's fake. But there's some of them, you're going to see that and you're like, oh, that's me. My temptation is to cheat or steal or lie. My temptation is to, whatever the case might be, it's, it's coming toward you. It does not come from God. It taps into your desires. He goes on and he says this. He drags, says he is, uh, we, when we, are, when we fall for that, we are dragged away and enticed. It drags us from God. Pulls us. From God, He sets the hook, Satan does, and then he pulls us away from God. It drags you from God. It pulls you away from God, and then it does this. It entices you. It entices you. Write that down. It's not, hey, it's time to sin now. Cheat now. Lie now. Steal now. doesn't work like that. It's enticing. 
It's enticing. It's alluring. It's subtle. It's we're uh, you know we we don't think uh, we think in our own mind. Ah, God really doesn't care about that. Or I should be able to get away with that. And you know this this is just one of those things. It's and, and it's subtle and it's alluring and it's enticing and it's not over the head with a brick. It's just sort of Satan's good at his job. Kind of dances that thing out there and gets our attention, entices, entices. It's not blunt, he entices, he entices. Then, after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. It has a goal. Temptation has a goal. Temptation has a goal. The devil has a goal. And that's to trick you into sin, to drag you into sin, to pull you into sin, to entice you into sin. Because when we sin, we are separating ourselves from a holy God that loves us and cares about us. And we all of a sudden begin to believe that the devil is more attractive than a God the Father. And we start to fall for the lie and we pull away from God, it always has a goal, and that is to force us into leaving and walking away and living a way that God doesn't want us. And so temptation, when does temptation come our way? When, do we, when are we most vulnerable for temptation? When does temptation come at us? Uh, I'm going to, uh, temptability quotient, okay? Temptability quotient. We're going to move through something here, and uh, you're going to have, a, you can see there in your bulletin, you got this whole thing. There's all these words, and you got a little scorecard right there, and um, we're going to uh, we're going to print these, we're going to mail them out to everybody so that they know about you later, and uh, we're going to put them on the big screen up here, and we're going to call you out in front of everybody, and we're going to embarrass you, and we're going to point our finger, we're going to laugh at you because you sin and we don't, and uh, so we're going to do that, but here's what you're going to do. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, on a scale of 1 to 10, you're going to do a little self-score, a little self-evaluation there, okay? And so on a scale of 1 to 10, on a scale of 1 to 10, you're going to write in the number and you're going to tally that number up in just a few minutes. On a scale of 1 to 10, and so number 1 is this. Here's the way the scale is going to look. Physically, physically, physically. And so it's are you tired or are you energetic? When you're just kind of doing life right now, on average, on average, physically, are you tired? If you're really tired and dragging all the time, uh, you give yourself uh, a number one. If you're uh, if you are energetic and uh, you know life is fantastic and you just can't wait to get up every day, you give yourself a ten. Wherever you are on that scale, you can see how that works. That's what or we're just going to go through this thing. And so you write down that number there, and we're going to tally those up in a little while. This is called the temptability quotient. Temptability quotient. So tired, 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 or energetic. Next one, emotionally, emotionally. Are you down or are you encouraged? Emotionally. When you're just kind of sitting in your quiet place or maybe when you wake up in the morning, maybe you're sitting there having a cup of coffee and you're just kind of thinking about what's my day going to be like and emotionally, am I down or am I encouraged? And so you write your number in there. Mentally. Mentally, are you discontent or are you content and you're challenged at work? It sounded like, uh, Wayne, Wayne, bless your heart, brother, that the crossword puzzle is not my DNA. But when I hear you talk passionately about crossword puzzles, it's kind of like, 
wow, that's really good. That's really good. That's really good. And so uh, where are you? Where are you? Um, and you're mentally, are you discontent or are you content? Is your, is your work or your, your family or your life and your, the disposition in life, uh, where are you mentally? Discontent or content? Discontent or content? Spiritually. Spiritually. Are you empty or are you growing? Are you empty or are you growing? Empty would be, I go to church on Sunday and I don't really think about it again until next Sunday. And I really don't think about it again until somebody from the stage kind of tells me what I should be thinking and then I go, oh yeah. Okay, that's empty. Spiritually. Empty, growing, actively participating in, I want to be more like Jesus. Empty or growing? Temptability quotient. Geographically, are you alone or are you near people and loved ones? Geographically. You know, uh, COVID, uh, COVID it sort of it jumps up and demands we must be alone and we must social distance and we must uh, separate. And so the, the temptation, we will encounter temptation and we're discovering that in COVID, people are being more isolated. And because of that, uh, drug addictions are going up and suicides are going up. And some of that just taps right in the fact that people are alone. People are alone. Geographically, are you alone or are you near? Write that number down. Relationally, are you cold or are you warm? Relationally, you're separated. It might be you're living under the same roof, but you're separated. Or are you warm? Make sense? Does make sense what that is? Internally, are you sad or are you happy? Internally, are you sad or are you happy? Write that down. Think about that. Personally, are you unsure or are you secure? Unsure or secure? A lot of things coming at you. You're not sure what's going on. Are you secure? My faith is strong, good. Whatever happens, come my way. I'm still with God. Personally, unsure or secure. Secretly. Are you angry? Or are you forgiving? You lay awake at night thinking about how to get back at somebody or you wish you would have said this to them. Are you angry or are you forgiving? Good, gone, over. Deeply, deeply, are you hurt or do you feel loved? Deeply, deeply, do you feel hurt or do you feel loved? I'll give you a chance to get your calculators out of your purses and backpacks and however or open up that app on your phone because it's math and that's what I would do. Um, And so go ahead and tally that number. Go ahead and write down your total there. And uh, I won't ask you to share that with anybody except for uh, if you want to step up and just say it really loud right into this thing. right? Just, so, so just kind of write down that number. What's that number? What's that number that is there? Here's the way we're going to scale this. All right? If you scored 100 to 75 points, if you scored 100 to 75 points, you're probably not being strongly tempted right now. You're probably pretty content in life. You feel close to God. Temptation just doesn't seem to be bashing through your door on a regular basis. 
If you scored between 50 and 75 points, probably you have bouts of temptation. Bouts of temptation. It comes, you wrestle with it for a while, and then you kind of beat that back, and you go to God and feel forgiven of that, and then you're kind of moving forward through everything is good, everything is good, everything is good, and then Satan starts dangling that same old lure back there, and it catches your attention, and you go back, and, and then there's the addictive cycle. Are you familiar with the addictive cycle? You fall to sin, and then you feel guilt and shame, and because you feel guilt and shame, then you're looking for some kind of a high or some kind of kick to make you feel better, and so then you jump back into that addictive behavior because that kind of gives you that high, but then you feel that that guilt and shame that drives you back into feeling depressed. So you look for that kick and then that thing that makes you high and then that kind of, you feel guilt. And it's called the addictive cycle, called the addictive cycle. That's why so many people relapse and relapse and relapse through addiction. So where were we at? If you're below 50 points, probably struggling with sin right now probably battling it, probably messing with you, and you need to go to the Lord. You need to go to the Lord. Okay, here's, okay, this next one. Uh, This is called the Temptation Patterns Map. Temptations Pattern Map. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Temptations Pattern Map. Temptations Pattern Map. Here we go. That's what it looks like. And um, so here's what you're doing. You're saying to myself, saying, self, uh, when am I most vulnerable? When am I most vulnerable to sin? When am I most vulnerable to sin? What day of the week? Is it, you know, every Wednesday? I know I'm going to be going into that meeting, and, uh, you know, those people are going to be there, and uh, that's when my temper's going to get out, you know, and whatever. Uh, when are you most vulnerable? Was it, you know, Friday night? I'm going to be uh, going to that place and those people are going to be there and when I'm around those people I kind of take my whole God life and I fold it up and I put it in my pocket back here and so that I can live my no God life over here and and they see me be that person and then I tiptoe out of there and by Saturday at noon I'm trying to unfold and press out all of those wrinkles and get my God life back on where is that place that you might be most tempted? Is it when you're doing your taxes and they ask you how many exemptions uh, you have, you know, or, or <laughs> what your income is? Is that where your, your temptation spot is? Is it uh, when you're balancing your checkbook or, uh, you know, is it when you go into your workplace and there are people uh, there? Where, where is that place? Is it, where's that place? Where is that place? What day of the week? What Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Where, where is your biggest battle? With sin. So I need to. What day? What time? What time of day? Uh, is it when you uh, get to leave the office and uh, go out to lunch, or is it uh, when you uh, get to uh, go to work and you look forward to going to work because you know that? There's going to be something there that's very enticing to you. And um, what time, what time, what time do you find yourself struggling? Is it morning, lunchtime, is it afternoon, is it early evening? Is it late at night when nobody else is around and has any idea what you're doing or what you're up to? Write that down. What location? Is it work? Is it home? Is it with someone else? Is it in a store or... Maybe, you know, where do you wrestle with that sin? 
What room in the house? What location? And finally, um, who is with you? Who is with you? Are you all alone? Or is there that person that drags you away? The most, uh, the most significant decision um, that uh, you can make, the most significant decision that you can make is this right now. You ready? What are you going to do about it? When we talk about something like this, there is something in your mind, something that you wish was more holy unto God. And we can kind of navigate that and think through that. And one of two things is going to happen. You've been given new information. You're either going to act on it or you're going to ignore it. You're either going to act on it or you're going to ignore it. There's two contributing factors. There's a loving God that's calling you unto him. And he's saying, now that you're aware of it, let's deal with this. It's not unique to you. I've been around since I created Adam and Eve, and there's other people been wrestling with this same thing. And that dirty devil, he's tried that over and over and over again, but I kicked him in the teeth, and I stomped his face on the cross, and he's dead, and he's gone, and he's nothing compared to me. I can deal with this. I am God. Come to me with it. And the devil is over here, and he's going, he's a liar. He doesn't love you. He doesn't care about you. Think about how good you feel when you're in the middle of your sin. You don't want to have any self-control. You want to have self-indulgence. That's the devil. But what do we do? What do we do? Do we say, God, I acknowledge there are parts of my life that I just want to, I don't want to deal with. But right now I come to you and I say, God, help me deal with it. Help me to be the person that you want me to be. I'm going to meet you. I'm going to die. I'm going to leave this earth. I'm going to be standing right in front of you. And so I don't want to have to make excuses. I don't want to pretend. I, I just want to say, God, remember when, when we were down there and I had to deal with all that stuff down there? I'm so glad I got rid of all that because now I stand before you and and it just feels good to be with you. Oh, man, I knew. I knew. I knew better. I, I just, just never dealt with it. I just... What are you going to do? Know this. God loves us. We are his children. When your kids come to you, do you push them away or do you want them to climb right up into your lap, give you a hug, say, I love you? God wants us to go to him. When our kids made mistakes, you know, correct them. We help them. We communicate to them. We love you. Yeah, yeah, mistakes. Uh, you should have seen what I did when I was a kid, right? <laughs> come up here. I love you, right? That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to go to him.
We're going to conclude right now in just a few moments of silent prayer. I'm going to pray us through some things and then we'll be dismissed. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the warnings. Father, we can see in Scripture that you've already dealt with our enemy, but he's good at what he does. Father, help us to not run from you, but to run to you. So Father, right now we come to you and we confess our sin. Whatever sin that is, we ask that you would hear us just say it to you right now in our mind. You know what we are thinking. Father, we ask that you will forgive us for. Father, we know that uh, you don't hold any sin against us when we confess it to you. And that you make us right and pure before you. Father, help us to do what we need to do to be more like you. If there's people we need to bring into our life to help us with an addiction, Father, I ask that you would help us to bring people into our life. If there's study time that we need to engage in to just help us be fortified throughout the week, help us to act on that, Father. We thank you for defeating Satan on the cross. You are King. You are God. You are Lord. You are risen Savior. You walked out of the grave. You have conquered death. You have overcome all of that. And you invite us to be with you for all of eternity. Help us to turn to you and live the way you call us to live. We ask this in Jesus' name.